How many of you um, have ever had a time management class or read a book on time management? Anybody? I see a few hands. Now, I don't know if you did it because time management was an issue or you just wanted to get better and get more done. And, and, and we've talked about time at different times, and I'm going to try not to repeat things I've said about time, but I will repeat this one thing. We all have the same amount of time in a day, right? But you know what we don't have the same amount of time of? <laughs> we don't all get the same amount of years on earth, though, do we? It's interesting. But, but just, just goofing around with some time quotes. And these silly cards, I don't know who started this whole thing, and I have no idea what that image has to do with the quote. But So ignore the image, but I like the quote. The quote says, those who make the worst use of their time are the first to complain of its brevity. Have you noticed that? People say, I don't have any time. And then you start talking to them, and you realize, they got time. They just spend it on stupid things, or they don't spend it on the right things, or they don't do it in such a way that they don't, they don't end up having time. So here's some more quotes. This one really, think about this for a minute. One day or day one, you decide. You notice that? A lot of us do that with things, don't we? Say, one day I'm going to. Or you could just say, day one is now, and I'm doing it, right? How many of you, I heard somebody out, actually, we were talking in the lobby about some things, and somebody said, well, there's another bucket list thing. And I, I've never seen the movie. I get the idea of a bucket list. But part of the idea of a bucket list bothers me because I don't want it sitting in the bucket. And a lot of times, it just ends up staying in the bucket and never happens. So that's why I just want to encourage you to make things, make it day one, not just one day. Uh, here's some other quotes. Just, we're going to look at a couple, and then we're going to get into the, uh, the book of James here. Time is more valuable than money because you, can't get more, you can get more money, but you cannot get more time. Think about time is once it's spent, and if you think of it like money, once it's spent, it's gone. You can't replace it. You can't get it back. You can't go and do it over, really. You can do things over, but you can't do that time over. That time's gone. There's, a, there's an old uh, Greek philosopher, Heraclitus. He, he supposedly was standing by a river. Have you heard this? Anybody heard this before? And he sticks his hand in the river, and then he pulls it out, and then he says, that will never happen again. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? Just stick your hand in the water again. And what he meant was, that exact moment is gone. It's down the river. That moment's gone. You don't get that one back. So yeah, you can do it again, but not that one. Does that make sense? And I know for those of us with kids, you know, or maybe if your kids are younger, or maybe, maybe it's more poignant when your kids are older and you realize that time's gone. It's gone. You can do things, but you can't do those things because it's gone. Okay, and I'm not trying to bum you out. I'm just, I'm trying to encourage you. We'll get there. Uh, you may delay, but time will not. Man, what a wise guy this, he was, wasn't he? I mean, Benjamin Franklin, so many wise things he said. So many crazy things, too. He was kind of a crazy guy. But, but anyway, uh, Lao Tzu isn't someone I would quote all the time, a Chinese philosopher. But this quote is haunting. Read this with me. Time is a created thing. To say, I don't have time, is like saying, I don't want to. Does that sting a little bit? It stings, doesn't it? When you say, I don't have time, you're saying, I don't have time for that, or you, or this, right? Because we all have time. We choose what we do with our time to create a thing. To say, I don't have time, is like saying, I don't want to. And that one stings. I think I'm going to put that on social media tomorrow, and I'm anxious to see what people say. This has no relevance at all. I put instant... <laughs> 
Anybody ever heard of Stephen Wright, the comedian? He just said, yeah, I put instant coffee in the microwave oven and almost went back in time. That has nothing to do with anything. I just put it in there because it's dumb. Time matters because we have such a limited supply. It's limited. We only have so much. Now, there's some things in life we have a bunch of, and, you know, with all the environmental movement and all, you hear about renewable resources, and you hear about, you know, um, what do they call the unrenewable resources? No? Like fossil fuels, right? Because we've only got so much, and then it's gone, or whatever. Then we find out new ways to use what we have more efficiently and whatever. But the thing is, I, I didn't mean to get off on that, other than the fact that time is one of those things you never get back. You only have this much time. It's very short, very short. And it's interesting to me that James, as he ends this book, this letter, and, and as we've read it, there's been so many times where he's, he's gone all over the place, but he chooses to end his book. And the reason I say, it's, I, I, I say it's interesting is because it must be significant. He chose to end with this. Now, part of me looks at it and I say, well, it just seems so random that maybe he just was writing things and just ended right there. Because it doesn't sound like he's doing a summary. It doesn't sound like he's wrapping it all up. It doesn't sound like he's referring back. You know, Because a lot of times a writer will start with a certain topic, have a middle part, and then come back around and button it all up. He doesn't really do that. But he does think that this topic is very important. Time's limited. It can be used or wasted, invested or squandered. can never be regained. So now let's get... I, I know a minute ago you might have thought I was bringing you down, but let me bring you down a little more. <laughs> I was meeting with a, very, with a guy, I was meeting with a guy as a mentor, I never had a mentor before, and I approached this, uh, this older, more experienced gentleman, and, and so we had been meeting for a while, and uh, one day I went to meet him, it was a Starbucks, when it was the one in, by the Independence Mall where, before it moved, and I walked in and sat down, and the first thing he said is, Dennis, I don't know how much time I have left. I thought, oh no, I thought, I, I thought he was trying to tell me like he was dying, that's what I thought. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he goes, and he looks at me, and he, <laughs> he just said, time is short. And I'm like, oh, no. I mean, it, it wasn't helping. I was just on a different track than he was. What he was saying is, nobody knows how much time we have left, and there's things I want to do and get done, and I don't know how much time left I have to accomplish those things. And I know some of you are sitting here, and we're all in different stages of life. I know, I know we have students in the room who are college students, and they have a track they're on, and they know certain things are going to happen at a certain time. I know some of us, you know, have kids at certain ages, and you know, this is going to happen then. And, and maybe some of us are past that stage, and you're on another stage, and you're wondering what's next. And we don't know how much time we have left. Do you want to know? Would you want to know? Have you ever seen a movie or a book or a TV show or maybe a, what was that show with, um, ah, what was that show? Remember, it was black and white. And it was always kind of creepy, but yes, Twilight Zone. They dealt with that a lot. Like, could, if, you, if you could know how much time you had left, would you really want to know? Because how would you live your life differently? Because okay, see how, how we do it now is we don't have that impending sense of a time that we're done. But when you do have a deadline, you do act differently, don't you? How many of you are procrastinators? You have a deadline. You know it's there, but... <laughs> Some people are raising each other's hands all over the room. That's funny. Okay. But you know you have a deadline, but you don't do anything. And then, the, then when it's close, then you start to move, right? So if you had a deadline on you, oh, that sounds horrible, deadline, like you're dead. But if you knew when your deadline was, would you do it different? Would you, would you line things out and say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to set these things up for my kids. I'm going to make sure the house is clean um, or whatever, right? You would do certain things, right? 
You would live different, though, wouldn't you? But the way God has set it up, he didn't. It, for, I, think he, I think there's wisdom in the way he did it the way he did it because he didn't do that. And God does things intentionally on purpose. If he had wanted us to know when, he, he would have told us, I guarantee you. But he didn't want us to know. And, in, and because of that, I think there's a downside to that because we don't know. We don't always live with an urgency. But you couldn't live with a total urgency, would you? I mean, you'd, you'd go nuts. And that's probably why he doesn't tell you. <clears throat> and I don't remember the Twilight Zone I'm talking about, but you may remember. But <clears throat> it's funny because there's a whole... Theo found Twilight Zone, and he's been watching them lately. They are still creepy. You guys, you know, I mean, it's weird. You're like, man, how could, they did a great job. And even in the black and white, it's amazing. Nobody knows. You do not know. Only God knows. He knows. He knows. When, when we were having grace, we were, Nicole was in labor for quite a while, and the, um, the doctor came in at one point. And I don't know if Nicole said, when is this baby going to come? I don't know exactly what she said. I don't remember that part. All I remember is the doctor said, God decides. And we're looking at him like, what? And I mean, it, I can't, it kind of was off out of context because like it's a doctor and he's being like Christian-y, you know, and, and he were Christians and he didn't know. And we're like, what? <laughs> and he goes, oh, we make all our plans and we set dates and we do whatever we want, but God decides. We're like, oh, okay. So we shouldn't be so anxious and rushing this thing, I guess. Okay. So God does decide. So in, in our scripture, the uh, book of Psalms says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And w- what that means, if you look into what that's trying to say, is, when, you, know, you know that phrase, your days are numbered? What, I mean, what does that You know what that means. You only have a certain amount of days. I mean, that's usually a threat. But what God is saying is, number your days, count them, because they matter. What he's trying to say is, they actually do matter, and you should take note of the days you have. Don't, don't live life kind of in a blur and a haze and, and just walk through it as if it doesn't matter because it does matter. Nobody knows how many they have left. But did you know there's a whole science on trying to figure that out, right? Because as long as there's been mankind and there's been death and unknown and people don't want to hang on to life, they've tried to figure out both, both we tried to find the fountain of youth so nobody can die. And then we've also tried to estimate when we would die. So there's a whole science in actuarial tables. Anybody ever looked into this? Have you ever done this? I'm not necessarily encouraging it, but it is comical. But if you go, you can go online, and if you put in actuarial death tables, <laughs> which I did, um, you can do this, and there's all these questions you can answer, and it will estimate your life expectancy based on how you're living your life now. You know, do you, do you take risks in how you drive? Do you smoke or live around a smoker? Do you eat, you know, what you eat? Your diet. I mean, there's certain things, right, that you can do that will affect your life. What some of the questions I didn't anticipate, do you own a pet? That increases your life. I, I didn't know. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know if that's true with the certain pet we have right now. And I'm not sure whose life is going to end first, but I'm just saying we have a pet that doesn't, that's not worth the damage it's doing in our house. I'm just ready to. Okay, so, but anyway, pets, there's some other things that are interesting. Married, being married actually makes you live longer. I know some of you are thinking, really? Because, but no, it does. It does. Um, Interesting questions, too. One of the questions says, do you have someone in your life that you can talk about deep things with? That's important. That's why people pay people to do that, because they need to. We need to do that. We need to have connection with another human being that hears what we have to say. It actually said, are you religious? Do you have a religious, uh, do, you, do you participate in religious services of any kind? That alone increases your life. 
So it was interesting. Do you know what the average lifespan in the United States is right now? Does anybody know? As of 2018? 80. Yeah, it's 80. How many are, how many are near that age, either over or under? Okay. <laughs> okay, there's a few in the room. I know. I know who you are. You don't act like I'm not going to raise your hand. I know who you are. <laughs> but I know, um, as I was looking at that, I was kind of doing the math. I'm, I'm 55, actually. So <laughs> that's only 25 years. Now, I know, I know this is how my mind works, but I think 25, 25 is not very long. That's young. That's, that's not very many years, right? I'm thinking I, I feel 25 now, let alone, but I'm 55, so I'll be 80. And then if, I, if my name was Denise, do you know what life expenses it would be? Three years longer, 83, if I was Denise instead of Dennis. But Did you know that every year you live... Every year you live past the age you are now increases your life expectancy by six months because of the amount of people who die at your age, whatever age you are. It's really interesting. And then the older you are, so if you lived already to 80, then your life expectancy really jumps up. It's kind of cool. So good job, those of you who are there. (laughs) Kind of something dawned on me, though, as I was reading this. I'm closer to that, I mean that side, than this side. You realize that the whole middle age thing, that's a thing. They call it that because once you pass that, you're on the downside of that. <laughs> All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I, this, I love this chapter in the Bible. I love it for a lot of reasons. I love it for the, the, the creation story that's there. I love it for the idea that God knows who we are, had a plan for us. But I'm applying it to this sermon in the book of James for this reason. We don't know what days we have left, but he does. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. That should be an encouragement to you. The idea that, no, we don't know. No one has promised tomorrow, and we don't know what will happen tonight even. You know, when we got that phone call from Grace, you know, Nicole looked at me, and I knew something was wrong. I mean, I thought it was something, you know, girl 18-year-old drama girl um, thing. I I mean, seriously. And then she said, it's her heart. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Right? And then I thought of Tamara. I mean, you don't know Tamara's story probably, but oh my gosh. I'm like, what's going on? You know, and I'm trying to talk. She goes, I can't talk to her because I'm like, what? And she's like, I'll tell you in a minute. You don't know, right? But he knows. He does know. And I, I want that to be a comfort to you because you don't know, but he does know. And he's not only ordered your days, but he ordained them, and he knows what he has for you. There's a God in heaven who loves you, and he cares about your days. Now, Jesus said not to worry about tomorrow. And then Solomon, I'd go with Jesus, but Solomon said, it's better to think about the day of your death than the day of your birth. But both of them were trying to tell us, your days matter and make them count. So what we're going to do real quick is look at this last portion of the book of James. It starts right here, and he says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town, and we'll stay there a year, and we'll do business there and make a profit. As I read that, though, that doesn't sound actually a bad thing, right? Doesn't that sound like any business person? I mean, is that bad? But there's a boast involved there because there's a foolish boast involved there. But, But on the surface, it doesn't seem that bad. I mean, it's good to have a plan. I mean, if you're going to consider your days and count your days, you should have a plan. And this person, whoever this was, he was describing, not only do they have a plan, they have a place in mind. And they're talking about, we're going to go to this certain town and do business. I don't know what town. Could have been a town in Iowa, doubt it. 
Shanghai, Budapest. It could have been somewhere. But then he said, we're going to make a profit. There's nothing wrong with that. Business is good. I mean, business makes the world, small business in America is what makes this country what it is. It's the, it's the building block. It's the powerhouse. It's what makes this country run. And that, you know, the whole rising tide lifts all boats. As businesses do well, we all do well. I mean, ultimately, it, it filters to us. And it's good to have a plan. It's good to think ahead. It's good to have goals. Those are good things. So what's wrong with this? Let me go back. What do you see wrong with that? What? What? No God. Right. <laughs> right. He completely left God out of there. The thing is, he had a plan, but he didn't include God. He didn't, he didn't consult him. He, he left God completely out of his thinking. And it's really what happens is with most of our world today, and unfortunately a lot of Christians as well, is we plan our lives and we don't consult him at all. We don't even think about it. Or if you do consult him, it's after the fact. You say, God, you like this, right? This is a good idea, right? With no intention to change or really to consult him. I mean, we, ch- we choose our career. We choose our future, sometimes our mate. I mean, we, we make huge life-changing choices. Now, I don't want anybody to go off the deep end and think I'm talking like crazy, like you're going to pray about what to order off the menu. But there are things that we do and plans we make that we need to consult him and we don't. We don't even include him. And what, what James is saying is he's a fool for leaving God out. He's a fool for leaving God out. I don't use that word very, uh, very lightly. I was, that was a bad word when I, in my house, actually. But, but basically what he's saying is he's, he's assuming, presuming, that he can control his own future, that he is, he is in charge of what happens next, and that his plans can't fail, and that he is in charge of his own success. It's foolish because, not because of his plans, but because he didn't include God in it. It's not foolish because of his dreams. It's good to have dreams, but because he didn't put God in them. It's not foolish because he desired to make a profit. It's foolish because he left God out. And then we get this somber reminder. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. You know, sometimes it's tough being human because we live in this linear world of time where, you know, unless you study history and really get a grasp of that, really all of human history you feel like starts when you're aware of it and it just extends to your life and this is all there is. And the thing is, it's not very long. I mean, if you look at the scope of human history, the, the span of a life, even if you live into your 90s or 100, it's not really that long. Not really. I mean, it's just a breath. It's gone. And you know how quick, you know, time flies and all of that. And the thing is that life is full of uncertainty. We don't even know what's next. And we don't know what's coming. And we, don't, we can't even know. We don't, we don't know that. And we forget sometimes how fragile life can be. And I mentioned that phone call with Grace, but I'm sure you've gotten phone calls like that. I mean, one time, one time Nicole and I were, were getting ready for bed, and she said, did you see what Uncle James put on Facebook? I'm like, what? And I look, and by what he said, it was clear there was a tragedy. And I just, he lived in Oregon. We live here. I called him, you know, and, and their grandson had passed away. He was skateboarding with his friends and fell back and gone. 18 years old. Boom, gone. And um, they still... Grieve him deeply. Grieve him deeply. It's horrible. No one thinks like that, right? I mean, you don't think about a car, you know, careening out of control. Every time I pass an accident, I think, God, please help whoever that is. And you don't know. I mean, life is fragile. We know it's fragile. And uh, it doesn't matter how long you're here, 70, 80, 90 years. It's just gone. Have you heard, (laughs) not to make light of any of that, but if you make the timeline long enough, 
the survival rate for everybody does drop to zero. Realize we all die, right? That's how it works. I mean, we all go to heaven eventually some way. The British playwright George Bernard Shaw, he said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. <laughs> one out of one people die. We all die. Maybe you've heard this before. I, I've done this with students where we would load them up on the bus, not tell them where we're going, and end up in a cemetery and, you know, do a, do a youth service right there around people's tombstones. And you're just staring at them. I, I'm fascinated by them, you know, the dates and some of the things that people put on them. And, and it, it's amazing to think your, your life can be right on there, two dates and a dash, you know. And you wonder, the whole life, all, the whole life you lived is just... It's sad in a way, isn't it? That's all that fits on there. You know, and some people put all these things on there. They accomplished this, and they were mother, father, whatever, and all those things are good. But I don't know about you, but have you ever had this happen where you talk to a child and you say, how old do you think I am? And they tell you some crazy age. You know, usually they're really wrong. I mean, I, I mean what kid gets it right, you know, of course. But you remember when you were younger, I mean, when, when, you were, when you were five or six or seven, could you imagine what it would be like to be the age you are now? That age was old, right? Ancient, even. Maybe. No offense. Just saying. It, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> have, you, have you done this, but maybe seen reconnected with someone on Facebook, like from high school, and you're like, my goodness, they look old. And then you realize, <laughs> wait a minute. They're my age. I look like that. Everybody dies. We're all terminal. Uh, the only difference is some of us know it, and then a lot of people act like it's not happening. And you can ignore it all you want, but it's a reality that you can't avoid. It is what it is. Uh, may, many of you probably heard Dan Patrick on the rate, on, on TV as sportscaster. One time he was talking about an injured player. He said, he's listed as day-to-day, but the, then again, aren't all of us listed day-to-day? But James doesn't end it there. It doesn't end there. Don't, don't be down about all that. He, he gives us a wise alternative. He says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. My dad used to say, um, he said, what do you say? Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. And I remember he used to think, we don't, there's no creeks. What are you talking about? You know, but that's, he just would say stuff like that. But he would say that a lot, actually. And it, it imprinted in my mind, not, and I don't know that he prayed, God, you know, I hope if you will this to happen, but he said it a lot. And I remember thinking a lot, huh, so we may or may not do this if there's rain. I mean, I was taking it very literally, of course, as a child. There's a different attitude when you do this. You lose the arrogance of saying, I'm going to do this. You're saying, if this is what God would will, if this would be what he would want. And the thing is, so seldom do we actually check with what he would want. Now, I want to add a caveat here because I feel like this is very important. If you are walking with the Lord and you are praying and have a sincere, ongoing relationship, you will do what he wants. It's what you do, right? It's like when you're in relationship with your husband or wife and you, you love them and care about them, you don't have to call them every minute and say, is it okay if I do this? Because you already do what they want because you love them. So to say all this, I don't want you to think you have to stop and ask God for every moment. But how many times have you made a big decision or made a big move and not even thought about praying? God, is this what you would want? Is this what you would want? Do you want it this way or this way? Now, I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm praying, God, I really would like some direction. And I feel like he's saying, I've given you all you need. Just do what makes sense. You know. So he's put it in us what to do. But the fact is, a lot of times we don't look. 
There's the Proverbs 19.21. You can make many plans, but, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. There's a, somebody once said, uh, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> it's an interesting um, statement here by Paul in the book of Acts. He's traveling and he says to the, to the people in Ephesus, or he's leaving to go to Ephesus. He says, the people he was with, he said, they asked him to stay longer and he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail for, from Ephesus. Yeah, he was in Ephesus at the time. It's interesting here is he intended to be there. He had plans to be there. But he subjected those plans to the Lord because he knew that there was a God who would direct and make sure that that would be one way or the other. What did Jesus say in the garden? Not my will, but yours be done. How often do we do it that way, though, where not like Jesus, I'm, I wish we acted like Jesus, but there's a lot of times we say, well, whatever you will, Lord God. I mean, that, Pastor Doobie talked about this one time. I remember I was probably sitting right where Frank is, and he said this, and the first time I'd heard it that way, because so many times we're praying about something, and we say, okay, well, and what, whatever you will, as if what God's wills is second best. It's not second best. That's the best. What, there's nothing could be better than what he wills. Really, we should look at it not, not as if we have to run this by him and hope he approves. Instead, we need to run it by him because what he approves is best. And we want his adjustment. It's more like, more like if you're working on something, maybe you've, maybe, uh, you've written a paper and uh, you want someone to proofread it. Why do you want them to do that? Because you want it better, right? Better than what you wrote. You want all, the, all the, the mistakes corrected. And if there's awkward wording, you want someone who can, who can look at that and make it a better product. That's really the, more the intent. When you go to him, it's not as if you're saying, God, I really want to do these things. I hope you're okay with it. I hope you don't say no to this. That's not it. Instead, you're going to him and you're saying, God, I want this. This makes most sense to me, but I want to know what really makes sense. I want to know the best way. Can you direct me? That's what it should be like. In Jesus, when he told us how to pray, one of the things he said to pray is, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus told us to pray for God's will to be done. He told us to pray for that. And then I love this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and then he will show you which path to take. I don't know about you, but I feel like even going through this study, I don't seek his will enough. I mean, I ask him, but I don't think I do it enough. I think I need to do that a lot, lot, lot more. God, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want to take? <laughs> then he gives a solemn warning, a very solemn warning. Otherwise, if you do not do this and ask for his will, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. Now, this is the New Living Translation. It doesn't read this way in the NIV or the, or the King James and all, but I love that word, pretentious. It's such a loaded word. It's really a good word. Do, do, <laughs> Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That sin of omission, you know, can be applied to a lot of things. But in this case, in context, he's directly applying it to you not seeking his will. Now, I don't, I don't use this terminology very often, but I don't know if you realize what he's saying. It's a sin not to consult God on your plans. That's pretty direct right there. He's saying that. It is a sin of omission. You know you should do this, and to not do it is, is actually sin. I don't say that very often. I mean, it, it, I mean, I've had people all my life say, is it a sin to do this? You know, and 
A lot of times it's kind of obvious. You just show them, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, it is. But in this case, I wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have thought that it was a sin not to consult God. Of course, I thought it was foolish. Of course, I thought it was pretentious. But I never thought of it as actually sin. I want to consult him on everything. I don't want to, I don't want to mis- make that mistake. It's a crazy thing to even think that you would do that. But it is. It's the ultimate presumption. You're putting yourself in the position of God and saying, I know better than him. And none of us thinks that. I don't know how long we're going to live. I don't know. 80, 90, 100 years. I don't even know if I want to be 100, honest. But I don't know. Um, this, this quote is attributed to Lincoln. People aren't sure he said it because they can't find it in his writings. But in the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. I believe that, though. I think that's true. I don't know how many years we have, but I want to fill every moment with life for sure, for sure. A better, better quote, we do know who said this, and this is uh, C.T. Studd. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I don't know how many days you have left, but there's a lot of things you can do. But I guarantee you, God has plans for you that you may not have thought of. You, you may have really good plans, and they are good. I'm sure some of them are really good, not, not even bad or evil or anything wrong with them. But if God has truly ordained our days and created you before you were born, knew you and planned out things for you to do, follow my reasoning here. Is it possible then you could not be doing some of the things he wanted you to do? I think so. I mean, if Jesus said to pray for his will to be done, why would he ask you to do something that was pointless? The fact is his will is not always being done. You can, you can not do his will. I mean, if you're not consulting me in your plans, why would he want you to consult them if your plans may not be what he wanted? So not to put a big thing on you, but actually kind of an exciting thing, there's things God wants you to do. There are things he wants you to do. And you won't know what those are if you don't, if you don't actually check and see what those are. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna challenge you to pray this prayer. This is a simple prayer. It's simple, it's like this. It says, Lord, I give you the right to change my agenda. Does it bother anybody? I mean, Really, I mean, really, because some I know someone in here is like, wait a minute, I got my day planned out. What if he did it without? <laughs> I'm just saying, is he God or not? And does he know better? Yes, he does. Is his will actually better? Yeah, it is. It's actually really good for you. And it may not always look like you thought it would look or be the thing you thought, but I guarantee you what he wants for you is best. And I guarantee you there are people who need you to do his will because he uses us to minister to each other. Fact is, there are people who need you to talk to them and encourage them and and be with them and help them. And and it's not about negotiating some better way with him. The fact is, when you realize that you probably aren't in control anyway, and your days are things that he could order and guide you and make some amazing steps with, you would want to have him do that because it would be better than anything. I mean, who's a better master of your soul than him anyway? And the captain of your, your ship. I mean, you would rather have him guiding it, I would hope. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a minute. Some of you in here, you, 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 I hope you're thinking things like I've been thinking, that God has been speaking to me because he's been speaking to me about a lot of things. I think, I think one of the mistakes I make is I make good plans and then I say, God, you like these, right? And then I have to fix them. I'm going to challenge you to do something different, to actually ask him before the planning. Maybe you have something coming up already. Maybe right now you're in planning, and you thought, I never thought to even include him in that. God, forgive me. 
Maybe you're looking for direction for something. Maybe there's something you've been praying about, and God, show me this, show me this, show me this. And maybe the right way to say it might be, God, what do you want me to do? What is the plan you have for me? Maybe you've seen yourself heading down a path and realized, I'm on the wrong path. That's okay. You can make that now. You can make a change now that would be the right path. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pray for us for a minute, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys go and let God deal with us. If you want to stay here and pray, I know David will put some music on and we can, we can stay and pray. If you would like to go, you're free to go. But I'm just going to pray that God would help us as we, as we submit to him and the best way that he has for us. God, we, I lift up these people in this room right now and I ask that in the name of Jesus that you would guide us, that you would guide our every step. God, we do not want to be those people who come to you after the fact. Instead, we want to come to you first and foremost knowing that you have the best. God, we want your will for our lives, knowing that your will is best. But God, I pray for those in this room who've already got plans in place that, that maybe you have some adjustments to make. I pray that you would help us to be willing to make those adjustments. Father, I pray for those who are desperately seeking your guidance, that you would be very clear with them, that you would speak to them what they need to hear and guide us all in that way that you have planned. God, we desperately want your will for our lives for our family members' lives, God, for our friends, for this church, for this country. We want your will to be done, and we pray for that to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I invite you to, to stay and pray.